Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. This is the Soho Radio Podcast, showcasing some of the best broadcasts from our online radio station, right from the heart of Soho, London. Across our music and culture channels, we have a wide range of shows covering every genre, along with chat shows, discussions and special broadcasts. Here is just one of our recent shows. To catch the full show, head to our Mixcloud page or listen live at SohoRadioLondon.com. Hi, I'm Sean Preston, the human behind Open Pen. Uh, this is a hostile takeover of uh, Rough Trade Books, the usual, usual slot. Um, so what is Open Pen? Open Pen is a small press. Uh, we have been a magazine since 2011, so close on 10 years now. Uh, we more recently started publishing pocket paper books. I'm going to talk a little bit about those pocket paperbacks and, uh, as we call them, novelettes in a bit. But uh, right now I'd like to get onto some music straight away. I want to, uh, maybe I should play, I should probably play the book I read by this band, but because um, it sort of pokes fun at book people and it's part of what we do. Um, but instead I will play something from the same album, um, just because it's way more fun. This is Pulled Up by Talking Heads. <laughs> So yes, this is an open pen takeover on Irregulars, a hostile takeover for Rough Trade Books. Um, So that last track that played was Abbe Madhu uh, by Mahmoud uh, Ahmed. If you don't speak uh, Amharic, it's actually uh, a damning attack on the Twitter author written in 1975. So compelling stuff, a man before his time, Mahmoud Ahmed. Um, I will be talking to an actual Twitter author. Mr. Fernando Strigotti in just a bit. His book Shitstorm kicked off our paper, uh, our pocket paperback series. We call them novelettes, as I say. Um, so what is a novelette? A novelette, a novelette is um, it's too it's too long to be a short story. It's too short to be a novella. It's definitely not a novel. We're not interested in those. Um, we've published five so far. Um, they kicked off with Shitstorm by Fernando Strigotti. Uh, and next one was One Thing uh, by Zampi Barker. We'll be hearing from Zampi later on. Uh, we had The Prick by Mazin Salim. Uh, we had In Lieu of a Memoir by Targ Muller. And we finished the series um, with Holly Watson's Never Seen the Sea. So why novelettes? Um, novelettes are a really good form for, for a press like Open Pen. Um, that novel market is quite crowded. Everyone's doing it. Some people are doing a terrible job of it. Um, thankfully some people are doing a, a better job of it, a good job of it. So we're not really interested in getting involved in, in something that a lots of, lots of people are doing very well. Um, we figure that novelettes and short form fiction is basically what we've been doing for nine, 10 years now. Uh, the magazine has taken young up and coming writers and old up and coming writers and writers with something to say, the kind of writers that you're not necessarily going to see published elsewhere, certainly not in mainstream publishing and perhaps even some of the more sort of coffee table style uh, magazines. Uh, I want writers and writing that uh, threatens, that challenges, that 
is edgy. I used to hate it when people called the magazine uh, like hipster fiction, but I think I've sort of come to realise that that's what it was. Um, in recent years with the with the novelettes, I think what we try to do is bring a, a sort of more mature product to the same audience because we are all getting older, and hopefully, in getting older, we're getting more mature. Um, the magazine has been free for nine years. It's a, it's a massive part of what we do. We put out a free magazine. It gets stocked in independent bookshops. Um, in doing so, we sort of cultivated the readership that um, unavoidably is full of writers, those um, most wonderful of people, those rat bastard of people. Um, and in doing so, we've obviously we've, we've created a sort of community of writers that... Um, aren't necessarily at that second stage yet where they're going to have those big deals. Um, and the novelettes became a sort of a, a secondary platform for those writers that they would, we would be able to cultivate their early work, their, their sort of necessary raw fiction and, um, and put it out in, in paperback form. And that's what we've been doing. So do take a look for the word novelette on Google will be first page because no one else wants to use that word. Um, so now some more music, and I'm going to try and play some music that um, that kind of is in the spirit of open pen, but also from artists that aren't necessarily the sort of um, artists that are you'd, you'd expect uh, you'd, where you'd expect artists to come from. So this is uh, Sonny Chirac and portrait of Linda in three colours, all black. That last track there was um, Skeletons in the Cupboard by Nat Ganella. Uh, Nat Ganella is probably better known for his um, his earlier work with uh, the Georgians, Nat Ganella and the Georgians. He was actually brought up in my spiritual home, Limehouse. He's a good example of an artist who, um, I think he grew up in a children's home in Limehouse, um, probably sort of 1910s, 1920s. Uh, there's a great biography actually by his friend Digby Fairweather, who was also a renowned jazz musician. Um, I guess the idea is that art can come from anywhere and it should come from anywhere. And I think that's something that's always been the case with music and other mediums, other art forms, but it's not something that you hear much of, certainly not in the 21st century when it comes to books and fiction and writing. So this is kind of what we're trying to do at Open Pen. Uh, next up, I've got a guest which, um, Sort of uh, someone who I knew briefly before. Um, his writing had probably come my way um, a couple of times, and then we eventually published a story of his in Open Pen. Uh, his name is Fernando Strigotti, and his book Shitstorm was our first ever novelette. So, hello, Fernando. Hi, Sean. How are you, mate? You okay? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Um, so, I guess to, you know, uh, a good point to start in terms of Shitstorm and your writing is maybe talking a little bit about uh, where Shitstorm came from and how you pitched it to me. Well, uh, yeah, well, I had this idea for a long time, you know, I probably started to work in 2015, 2016, that I wanted to um, capture, you know, this the world of social media outrage and how 
we seem to live more and more involved with a kind of constant reaction to someone's opinions, you know, and, and, and the effect that has on, on you, you know. And I did start writing around, probably in 2015, I started to write it and I put it aside because I, when I had already 80,000 words of, of a manuscript, then uh, Brexit and Trump happened and all, all the things I had written, they were completely pointless, you know. And uh, so I put it aside. I remember. I, I don't remember when I pitched it. I think it was probably in 2017. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We, yeah. We went to no early 2018. We went to see a football game. Later. Of course, because it all happened within the same <laughs> calendar year, didn't it? Because that yeah, was yeah, uh, yeah. the start of 2018, and the book came Late out in November. Late Forest. That's right. Uh, I think that <laughs> that's was right. Yeah. The game. And uh, and you mentioned that you wanted to do this. Uh, these short books, which you, which you, which you, you insist in calling novelettes, that's fine. It works for me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, for me, it's a novel. You know, it's a short novel. Whatever. Anyway, so uh, you say you wanted to do these books around twenty thousand words, and then I, I, I don't know. Really, I, I wasn't planning to pitch that to you, but I, I thought, okay, this could be interesting. I have these eighty thousand words. Could I turn this into a twenty thousand words book? And uh, I, yeah, I could in the end. That's shitstorm, but it's a very condensed and intense version, much more intense than the eighty thousand words, which uh, I, I think there were. It was I. Like, it had a lot of problem in the other book. It was very much uh, held ransom by narrative. It's not something that interests me very much. I'm more, much more interested in form and how form informs your your writing, you know. And I think that that's why it works better as a twenty thousand words book. Yeah, I mean. Um... I guess that's like one of the things about novelettes in that, to be clear about it, it's, um, what, 12,000 words up towards 20,000 words. I mean, it really is sort of working in novella um, length as well. Um, but it's there's something to be said about that little, that sort of cluster of, of word count in that you don't really see many books produced um, to, that, to that length. And it, it just means that, God, there must be so many books that don't get made because they're not the right length for, or perhaps worse than that, but they get shortened to short stories when they shouldn't be, or they sort of get pumped full of goose fat and they become novels. Yeah, but you see, this uh, this is a length that I'm always been quite comfortable with. You know, in my my first book in English is Functional Males. It's got like I can remember now five or six stories around ten thousand to fifteen thousand words. You know. So for me, it's a length that works towards uh, that, I, that I feel comfortable writing, you know, because it allows me to develop story uh, far enough and, and, and the characters far enough, you know, much more than with a short story, which is much more condensed, intense. So I don't know, I've always been quite comfortable with this length and not necessarily longer uh, lengths, you know, novels, uh, conventionally, what we understand as yeah. a novel. I mean, so since then, um, when did you've got the you've got a new book out? Obviously, Jolts um, on Influx yeah. Press was that out last week? I mean, you'll forgive that me, obviously, was, because time is irrelevant at this stage. It doesn't matter anymore. That was uh, released on the thirty of April. So two yeah. years ago. No, thirty of April. <laughs> yeah, no, I... <laughs> confuse me. <laughs> so right, yeah. So. Um, it's hard, like how, so. The question would normally be, "How's that book going?" But I guess oh, no one's got any idea. I mean, it, I don't know. I don't know. I think I mean it's 
it's I, I think it's a very strange moment to release a book, but also I didn't want to not release a book because I, I, it was burning in my hands, you know. And when when we had the discussion whether we we delay it to September or go ahead, I said let's go ahead. I don't know. It's getting good comments. I, I see that people are tweeting about it and, and tag me and things like that. But it's very hard to to give an answer if it's uh, moving very well. Uh, it's not the best moment to release a book, but you know, also people are they need more content, you know, in, in between quotation marks. They need this, uh, they want. So I don't know if it will compensate for the lack of bookshops. We'll see. But I'm glad it's out. Yeah. Um, so you're writing in the, it's, you know, the, it's, you said recently that not you're not particularly enamoured with the word um, collection when it comes to a book of short stories. Um, what what is it that keeps you writing in the short story form? And I, I know between me and you, that is an annoying question that we have faced. But I think it's kind of worth you talking about a little bit, like why short stories and why why haven't you become a novelist yet? Well, I I, I mean, in all fairness, I wrote two novels. You know, I wrote my second book in Spanish is a novel. And, no, and I, I know, but I'm only talking about books that people have read. Yes, yeah, but great, even Great Tropic is a novel too, you know, when I, I co-wrote with someone else. I, but I'm more, I'm more like a kind of, a, yeah, I prefer a short story, I think, because, one, there is a very strong tradition of short story writing in Latin America. You know, recently I wrote this article for The Guardian that got me in trouble because I didn't mention the translators of stories, uh, you know, and so on, but we can talk about that if you want or not. Uh but there is a strong tradition. It's a, it's a, I, I argued in the article that the Latin American form, you know, the most ex excellent form is the short story, not the novel, you know? Uh, so I, probably there is something about that, but also I think because of my coming of age as a writer happened uh, through during the, the online, you know, it happened on social media, it happened on blogs, it happened with uh, with e-magazines, you know, and where, where I submitted short form. Mm. I, hello? Can you hear me? Yeah, 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 no, I'm hearing you, I'm yeah, hearing so, you. I, I, so, so, you know, so I think because I, 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 when I started to write, especially in English, I started to send short stories to magazines and and and, 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 and it was a form that, that was more likely to get me published, you know? So I think it has to do with that. I I, st I stick with the form because I feel I, I I'm more trained with that form. Also, I don't find novels that interesting. To be fair, I don't. Do you not read novels anymore? Are you done with them? Well, I I I do read them, but but if if it comes to choosing between a collection of short stories or a novel, I always end up choosing the short stories. I don't know why. I think I enjoy my I go a short attention span, you know. So I think there is something about that. The ability to, to uh, you achieve things much more in a short story book, you know, because you finish a short story, you can put it aside for, until the next day, and you always have this feeling of uh, achievement, you know. Whereas in a novel, sometimes you spend like weeks, you know, especially when you, when you. It can really so get you down, can't it? When you, <laughs> you just can't finish um, that book. Yeah, I mean, I, I have very little time to read, so I want to prioritize. Uh, I want to feel well when reading. No, I don't want it to feel a chore, you know. I hear that. Um, so in Jolts is nine stories, nine ways of not being at home, nine confrontations to the limits of fiction and memoir. Jolts is a playful and honest exploration of the joys and sorrows of lives lived in between places. A collection that travels across time, space and language in order to deliver the gospel of the Latin American short story. I mean, that's kind of handy, isn't it, actually, right now? 
Is that honey? Why? What you say? Handy. It's handy. colloquialism of my kind. <laughs> All right. Yeah, it can be handy. Yeah. The, yeah, in the sense of being somewhere else. But yeah, I think when we it, that that's become resignified because um, with coronavirus, I mean, the idea of that of not being in the, in that collection. Where, I mean, and, and Joel's in the book. I wanted to capture this uh, idea of being in between places where you're not here, not there, you know, which I, it's the feeling I have since I've been living abroad, you know, 20 years almost. So so it's about that. But yeah, why not? If it takes people somewhere outside of the house now, why not? They should read it. <laughs> At least. Yeah, so what are we, are we going to do another novelette? I really want to do another novelette. Yeah, well. A Strigotti we, one. We've been talking about that, yeah conference i mean i'm working on it hopefully it will be published hopefully um, uh, will it annoy as many people as shitstorm because obviously one of the great things about shitstorm for me personally is that i feel like it really annoyed quite a few people in particular the twitter author uh, and, yeah well and they, they can hopefully it will i mean uh, the idea for me whereas you know, I wanted to capture. Uh, I don't know how to say it in a word in a way that doesn't sound like like I'm a terrible cook, but the the industry, let's say the industry of creating writing and conferences and create academic creating writing, all this world, I wanted to capture it and, and satirize it, but also in a knowing and a sadly uh, mean way. But I like to highlight always the ridiculous aspects of things, even the things in which I would consider to be part of, you know. Uh, so that's conference. It takes place during a creative writing conference in a in an imaginary university in a, in Bracknell, a place I don't even know. I think it might be in Buckinghamshire. I don't, I don't remember. Mm. No, Berkshire. Well, I don't remember. Somewhere. Well, you know lots about Berkshire, of course. <laughs> I don't know about Berkshire. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. Okay. So Jolts is is out right now. It's it's been out for seventeen years, uh, but you can get <laughs> yeah. it from InfluxPress.com. Um, our friends at Influx. Yeah, and and some indie bookshops as well. Yes, I mean, like, can you order it from them and they deliver it at the moment? Like, great bookshops out there in London, like Burley Fisher. I think they're doing something like that. Burley Fisher has copies for sure. Uh, Influx are delivering. Uh, I just Mm -hmm. been tagged by a bookshop in Margate. Uh, What's her name? They're very um, not tagged. Uh, Yeah, Influx uh, made me aware that we are in a bookshop, independent bookshop in Margate as well. Oh, Margate, Margate Bookshop, bookshop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I guess it's yeah. weird. I, I, it's moving. The book is moving. It's uh, it's out there. So try not to get it from the tax uh, evading corporation because there are other options and it costs the same. Yeah. So reluctantly, I would say it's a fantastic book. Really enjoyed reading it. Um, obviously wanted to hate it. And of nice course. one for the shout out to Plasto in it. Enjoyed that. <laughs> Which one? The shout Plasto. out to Plasto. Do I mention Plasto in that one? Or is that the... Yeah. I can't remember, man. Come on, man. I know you book better that... than you do. This is shitstorm all over again. Uh, yeah, I can't remember, man. I mean, I remember uh, there is a story from the first book that mentioned Plasto. Are you sure you're not mixing them up? No, it's in jokes, if that's what you, you okay, mean. Okay, I'll, I'll have to read my own book. Do you want to have a fight over your book? <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember. I don't read my, my own books now. You and everyone else, buddy. Okay, thanks so much, Fernando Strigotti. Take care, mate. Have a good one and uh, 
all good luck with whatever you're doing in the future in the radio. It's appreciated. Take care. Okay, this is Rabbit Habits by Man Man. by Luciana, um, the one and never lonely Luciana. Um, little known fact about me is that I taught Luciana to dance. Um, uh, good, put it in your Google machine, Luciana dancing is magnetic. I think you'll agree. Um, and yeah, that was that was me. I, I taught the man how to strut. Um, so on the subject of music, because we just played music, um, Around the time I started Open Pair was also the time that I started my day job, uh, which is working for Ninja Tune Records. Um, hopefully you've heard of Ninja. If you haven't, they're a sort of left-field electronic label, been going since 1990. Started, or well, founded by Cold Cut. Uh, under the umbrella, you have Brain Feeder Records um, and also Big Dada and a couple of other sub-labels as well. Um, it's at Big Dada that I met Will Ashen. He was my boss. He was an absolute tyrant. Um, used to be like, John, come here, shine my shoes. And then I have to do that sort of stuff. Fetch him his lunch. Um, real nasty piece of work, actually. But um, over time, grew to uh, enjoy Will's company and or enjoy his books as well. He is a he was a he was a fiction writer. He's turned his back on fiction. Um, he wrote some incredible nonfiction books recently. But uh, he was the the founder of Big Dada. Um. And Big Dada and Ninja and Brain Feeder, the, 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 sort of the interesting thing about those labels is kind of that they're, they have a sort of quite inspiring outlook. And it's a, it's a really, it's kind of a really good place to sort of cultivate your, your risk taking. Um, so over the last 10 years, I've, that's, that's kind of, it's really informed what we do at Open Pen. And I think that kind of happened without me even really realizing it, how much my, my nine to five or my 10 to six, it is music after all, that, um, yeah, that, that, that Ninja had had a kind of big big hold on um, how I wanted to run open pen and the kind of artists that I wanted to put out and the risks that I wanted to take and why. That doesn't necessarily mean that it's not a good business decision either. Um, so the, the artists that we work with at open pen, they are from uh, a variety of backgrounds, of course, but they're also um, from a variety of sort of um, outlooks. Uh, I think that that's true of the, the, some of the... The, the writers that we've published um, right from the beginning. And I kind of, as I say, I didn't really realise that that's what we were doing, but it is a massive part of what we do. Um, so if you are a writer, if you're an artist that wants to start writing, Open Pen is a great place to look, I think. I, I'm definitely open to writers and artists that are trying to move from mediums. I don't necessarily think that people can be taught fiction writing. You can, you can, t you can learn the sort of... Um, the, the nuts and bolts of how to put short stories together. But I, I, I much prefer to hear from, from writers who have something to say, which is kind of where our tagline comes from for Open Pen. It's, uh, it's writing with something to say. Um, I'm going to play some music from uh, Big Dad Records, as I say, as part of the Ninja umbrella. Um, a big shout out to Will Ashen. We may have some work with him soon. And when I say we, I mean Open Pen. 
Uh, we hope so. We'll see. Might be announcing that soon if he if he finally says yes, Sean. Fine. Um, this is Roots Maneuver and Don't Breathe Out. <laughs> That was uh, Dennis Parker, like an eagle, love a bit of disco, obviously. Um, so Dennis was a gay adult film star, started off in in gay porno, um, moved into adult porno. I don't know if that's how it always works. I don't know if it's you have to prove yourself in the gay porno world before moving on to uh, heteronormative porno world. Um but like he, so he signed to Casablanca Records and put out this uh, disco record that's really really good. Uh, obviously that tracks on it. It has a great video as well if you can find that in the Google machine I was talking about earlier. Um, so he's kind of like he's an interesting story because he so he started out in in porno as I've said several times over, um, and he sort of did some soap work as well, and then suddenly in like the I think maybe the early 80s, maybe late 70s, actually, he decided that he wanted to do make disco music. Um, and he did. And he made an incredible record that's kind of flies under the radar a little bit. But that's, again, the kind of thing that I'm trying to encourage within Open Pen is that if you if you if you have an art form that you're currently excelling in or if you don't and you just feel like there's a way that you need to put your stuff out there, writing's a really good form for that um i think it's kind of it's it's not people don't reach for the pen in the way that they perhaps used to they'll reach for sort of other devices first and and that's great and obviously like with young people sort of maybe perhaps there's something there's something in music that makes them more inclined to try and create music but I've, i'd really love to encourage writers and artists to try and move into book writing short story writing um whether it's non-fiction fiction whatever as long, of course, as it's not poetry. Um, this is Open Pen Books, Open Pen Press, Open Pen Magazine. It's a Rough Trade Books Takeover. We are the Irregulars. Um, next up, I'm going to talk to um, Holly and Zamphi. They have surnames as well. Holly's surname is Watson. She is Holly Watson. Zamphi's surname is Barker. She is Zamphi Barker. Um, they both have novelettes out with Open Pen. Uh, both were released last year. Um, oh, Holly's was released this year, I should say. But uh, unfortunately, it was it was it was just before COVID. So her book um, needs loads of support. Zamphi doesn't need much support, I should say. Actually, it's sold out again. So I need to reprint that so she can actually make some money. But um, if you're going to pick one book, pick Holly's. <laughs> Don't do that. Pick the book you really want to read. So, um, hello, Holly. Holly, hello, uh, Zamphi. Hopefully, you're both there still. Hello. That I'm, I think hey, that, that was. was me. There we go. <laughs> Did you just say that was me, Holly? I was like, that was me, Holly. <laughs> right. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> um, so, Zamphi, did you just hear what I said before about your book? Uh, you said don't buy it. Thanks. All right. Okay. But okay. Yeah. Uh, also, buy the book, obviously. Um, but pre-order it now because that's what they have to do because as I say it's sold out uh it's definitely a, a, a one of our most popular books um so I will start on one thing actually um 
we published it in what February, I think, last year, Feb last year, and um, it got some really, really good reviews. Like, so Fernando's book was widely reviewed, and I think um, by the nature of the sort of book that it is, that it kind of had mixed reviews and um, pissed off certain people, as I said. Whereas your book was kind of just liked by everyone. Um, is that annoying? Would you rather be like Fernando and, and be Marmite, or, or would you just want to be loved by everyone? I think I'm too sensitive <laughs> for for any kind of criticism, especially written in the world, I guess. So is that perhaps why you wrote a really good book then, so that no one could say anything bad about it? I think some people said some bad things about it. I certainly felt felt fragile afterwards anyway. Oh, I guess there was that that one thing. We won't mention what it was, but there was that one thing that I sent to you. And then it was actually, I think, still quite a good review. But um, there was like maybe a few lines in it that you weren't happy with. <laughs> and I remember you just sort of messaged me like uh, most days that week, just little bits from it that, that annoyed you in a new way, which I quite enjoyed. Is that what it's like for a writer? Is it really tough putting stuff out there? Like, is it daunting? Is that all that stuff true? Um, well, you just feel like... Yeah, and it's there, and you can't defend it, and you you trying so much to make it come across in the way you want it to come across, and inevitably it um, does something completely different, and then I guess that feels nerve wracking. But I should probably get used to it and, and stop. Um, I think you kind of turn it into a, a tool to hate yourself with, when really you should just let it go. Yeah, I mean. It's, with one thing as well, I guess that there was, um, so we should say that I published you in 2012 or 13, I think, in issue five of Open Pen, so like really early days for Open Pen. Um, and that story was like very sort of on brand for Open Pen. It was very house style. It was totally the kind of thing that we wanted to put out. Um, I think it was a story that, like all good stories, obviously should be relevant to everyone, like should be interesting to everyone if they're good but it was particularly relevant to younger people I think or people who had just got past that sort of young person stage um it was called love in the time of ketamine which is you know a bit on the nose but kind of does it totally tells the story of what we're talking about um and then one thing as a longer form piece of fiction um you know it was there was there was kind of there was more risks taken i think i think that for one writing as a middle-aged man who is working class and has lost his wife is probably like a stretch for you in terms of your personal life or who you are as a person um so how like is that does that kind of does that add weight to the sort of the, the fear of being published or like how how was it writing that and having it and having it published yeah, I get. I think that was one thing I was felt very nervous about was someone was going to point out that I wasn't a fifty-eight-year-old. I think he's a roofer from Birmingham, and um. God, you really went for it as well from <laughs> Birmingham. Yeah, of course, I forgot. But sometimes you, I, I feel like an old man anyway. Sometimes, so I guess I felt like that happened, and that there were some things I had been it because at the beginning of this the book he's he's completely broke because he's made loads of bad decisions and he's destroyed pretty much everything in his life because he was having a bad time but by accident so that had happened to me I'd, I'd made a few bad decisions and things which happened really quickly and had then become completely broke so I think 
but I didn't want to write what happened to me anyway. I just found myself feeling like this old man and then began writing the story. So I think it's then afterwards you think, oh, am I, what are people going to think of that? Whereas at the time I just felt happily an old man. Yeah. Um, so Holly, hello. Hello. Like with, with your book, um, it's kind of the, it's the opposite in terms of what it's about because it's essentially what we like to call autofiction now. Um, it's, I, would you call it loosely autobiographical or, or autofiction or, um, I don't know, what, what would you call it? Yeah, I think, yeah, loosely autobiographical. Um, yeah, I think that's kind of it. It's based on me growing up, but, you know, obviously I don't remember every conversation and every name and um, names have obviously been swapped as well. But yeah, I'd say, yeah, that's a pretty good description. I mean, I'll give a, a quick um, blurb on the book is Holly Watson tells the tale of a young girl's experience growing up in Coventry in the 1990s. Nanny Pam's fallen out with Grandad, Mum and Dad are skin, and Tom, with his beautifully pointy spike-gelled hair, doesn't seem to notice our girl at all. Um, the book's really funny, and what it made me think is, can autofiction be humour-writing, and does it have to be humour-writing, autobiographically even, if if that person is funny and the people in their lives are funny? Because I think that's what comes across, is that it's all realistic you know there's, there's a reality to it but it does also read not very much like a straight comedy yeah I mean I guess that's that like to me it kind of the jokes were kind of easy to write that wasn't going out for a laugh because it was just kind of that is my family like I did a quiz with my nan the other day and she was dressed as the terminator and you know <laughs> she's like she's she's just bonkers I mean there's so many things I could have put in that book that aren't you know so I guess yeah. it was it just came easy because that was it's kind of the truth really in a way yeah I mean like Nanny Pam is one of the uh I mean she's probably most people's favorite in the book I've got uh, a soft spot for granddad as well because he's just mm. such a twat but like there is <laughs> but it's you know he's a great twat like twats in people's lives they're not just twats they also have sort of redeeming features and they have moments of redemption. Um, yeah. And you've done a great job, I think, in, in, in making sure Grandad has those moments. But but Nanny Pam is totally, like, throughout the book, just in, in incredible presence. <laughs> oh, she'll love that. I, I want to meet the great woman one day. <laughs> it's the only reason I published it. <laughs> she won't disappoint. She's, yeah, she's good crack. <laughs> so we didn't get to do a launch, obviously, because of um, because of COVID-19. Um because of these challenging times that we live in, uh, because of these difficult times, unprecedented times. <laughs> so we we could do like an online launch, but then I just feel like it would take ages to get Nanny Pam sorted on Zoom or whatever. Oh, so yeah, yeah. I just, I'd, I'd rather do a, a proper launch when we're able to again, and hopefully that's the summer. Um, but if not, we will make it happen at some point. Um, nice. we, we, can, we can have all the characters down there <laughs> reading their yeah. parts or something. I'm sure they love that. Brilliant. That sounds great. Cool. So the thing that all three of us have in common is that we um, we have really small, I mean, they're basically tiny humans in our lives at the moment. And they're sort of, they all got released this year. They were on the release schedule this year. And they, all, they were all pretty much on time. Um, and I guess the, the, what I want to talk about that's still relevant with Open Pen before we just moan and make this a, a live Mumsnet session is... Um, 
how hard is it to be a writer and have a baby? Are you writing anything? Are you thinking about writing? Um, I'm definitely thinking about it. <laughs> um, actually, you might be able to hear it just now. I've just heard my husband run up the stairs to come and get her. She's crying. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> um, but yeah, definitely thinking about it. Um, putting pen to paper is difficult for sure. But I'm sort of, I think I'm nearly at the stage where I'm ready to sort of write again. Um, mm. Yeah. And Sanfi, how are you finding baby life? Well, I remember thinking when I was pregnant, always, oh, the baby's going to sleep loads and I'll be really motivated. I'll just get up and keep writing, whatever. And then realising when the baby's here that the baby doesn't sleep anywhere. Well, I give it, he's called Shay. He only sleeps on me. So I have to spend probably four hours a day lying lying in bed really still next to him. So for ages I couldn't do anything. And then <laughs> oh my God, I realised... <laughs> it seemed you. like the dream, but... Yeah, I mean, it's like I have a two-year-old as well, and um, the thing that this, that I'm realizing now is that how quickly you forget how bad having a baby is. Like it's just the worst, and obviously it's you know great in other boring ways or whatever, like the whole love thing, blah 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 blah. But the just the, the general day-to-day life is excruciating. I, and I, I'm going to make a mental note this time that when people ask, "Oh, what's it like?" You know, like people who are thinking about having children. I'm going to give them the real shit, you know. I'm just going to be like, if you really, really want a baby, if you love babies, then sure, knock yourself out. But otherwise, just don't do it. Yeah. That <laughs> sounds oh, about right. <laughs> I think, yeah, you just got to, like, not put any pressure on yourself to do anything else. I think, like you, Xanthi, I was like, right, this is it. I'm going to write my novel when she's asleep at night and I'm doing the night feed. And I was like, no, I'm just going to watch Netflix. I'm not going to do anything. You've just got to take the pressure off. And then I'm thinking if I take the pressure off, one day a bolt of lightning will come and she'll be having a good day and I'll be able to write a little bit. But, yeah, just don't put any pressure on yourself. Yeah, Yeah, no, I I think think... that is pretty good advice. And, um... Yeah, well, I realised because I wrote one very small thing on my phone because I can hold my phone over my baby's head while my baby's sleeping. And then I was like, maybe I just have to write really tiny bits at a time on my phone only. And that's the future. When he's sleeping deeply and then he wakes up and it's just like built-in writing exercise. You've got exactly this many minutes and nothing else. That's true, actually. It just sort of focused those that time doesn't it like when you do have a little bit of time you're like right I don't know I feel a bit more motivated to do stuff yeah maybe maybe this is why people when they sort of reach their 40s and beyond that they 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 get really on it you know they get like I've career focused or they sort of excel in in their art form um if they haven't excelled previously uh and and maybe that's because you know that this this time becomes precious when you when you have this thing that just eats up all your time and you get a greater understanding of time. That's true, I think. Yeah, definitely. You definitely have a greater understanding of time. Those 10 minutes are just like, yeah, just try and get everything done at once. Yeah. Yeah, I was well, trying to figure out um, what's what, like one thing to read really quickly when you like, have to make a decision before I waste all, all this whole <laughs> Do you find that you spend a lot of time, well, basically all the time that you have allotted to you to yourself, um, working out what you're going to do with that time, and then you realise that it's over? No, right. that's the mistake. You've got to plan ahead. <laughs> See, I'm just, I'm just not that guy. It's nightmare because I'll just be like 
flicking through articles that I think I should read or through Netflix or something like that or looking just looking at my books and there's there's there's, there's quite a few books that I haven't read on my bookshelf and I'm just constantly looking at the spines and all I do now is read spines that's it I'm just reading the spines <laughs> I read the stuff that's in the fridge and I read the spines on the bookshelf that's all I read I write a lot of lists. There's a lot of lists of books I want to read or a lot of lists of jobs I want to do or a lot of lists of all the things I'm going to write. And mm. yeah. yeah. Brilliant. Well, you've got a career at uh, BuzzFeed sorted anyway. Perfect. Cool. So thanks to both of you. Um, your books are uh, Never Seen the Sea by Holly Watson. It was our last novelette of this series and Zamphi, your book, was One Thing by Xanthi Barker, and it was our second in the series. You can get them um, as a package for £22 on our website, uh, or you can you can order them from bookshops, and as Fernanda said earlier, hopefully not the really rubbish one, um, the really rubbish online one. I wasn't talking about Bernie Fisher. They're all, they're all right, actually, as bookshops go. Um, so I'll play, I'll play a little tune for all three of us, um, and I, like, I don't have to do the feeding side of things in the night, so... Bit of a bullshit artist here, but um, this is Night Owl by Tony Allen. So that first tune was Night Owl by Tony Allen. As I said, it's not the the late Tony Allen who recently departed. Um, it's a lesser known Tony Allen, but I just love that tune. Um, the second track that you heard was Supersonic Jazz by Sun Ra. Um, cool. So I'm going to try and, you know, I can talk all day about what Open Pen is, but that's kind of boring and it means that I repeat myself uh, far too often. So. I'm actually going to read a story by the Open Pen crew. Um, it hopefully gives an impression of what Open Pen fiction is all about. So here it is. You will know yourself when you enter a small town metal bar in Germany on your first holiday with your new partner. And they say, let's go here. And you say, it's a metal bar. It's for metal people. And they say, well, you like metal, don't you? And you say, well, yes and no. I like it, but I'm not really a metal person. Um, I kind of like Metallica and the odd bit of Maiden, and some of the newer Doom, Stoner stuff is good. Actually, there's an album from a few years ago um, that Pitchfork gave 8.6, which is just terrific. But, well, there you go then, they say. We're fine. It is daytime, but nighttime inside the small town metal bar in Germany. The metal people inside are the buzz cut behind the bar, who has a faded black, outrageously loose, used to be black vest and long straight armpit hair. Long straight nipples, plus two young metal heads, these two coloured dudes around a pool table. Buzzcut leans back against the spirits and is staring into a not iPhone. It's being held horizontally, tapped at with his thumbs. The two young metal people are in full metal person regalia, playing pool and smoking near the back. One is spotty face and the other is wearing like giant, almost hostile boots. They are speaking in German without removing their cigarettes, despite the many ashtrays around the edge of the pool table. There was definitely a no smoking sticker on the door. Your new partner is being chipper. You don't know how to communicate that chipper is probably frowned upon in the small town metal bar in Germany community. 
You ordered two bottles of the beer you were able to pronounce and Buzzcut awards them to you without eye contact. You sit at the bar facing away from Buzzcut, grinding, plodding metal plays, obviously, and its hoarse, raspy vocals fretted in German or, you know, some sort of affected Germanic English. They do not sync with whatever music is being played on the two TVs, one of which is more saturated than the other. I want a Siggy, announces Chip, a new partner. This sends a fresh chill down your spine, because you have already considered this. The cigarette machine is on the other side of the pool table by the two young metal people, and they have become increasingly aware of your presence. They've been saying the odd thing in a squeaky English voice. You knew you shouldn't have worn beige jeep chinos today. You say, mm, but I don't have change for the machine. New partner responds, get it from the till. Nodding at Buzzcut. You freeze. New partner squibbles, and on a third attempt at gaining attention, Buzzcut opens the cash register and scoops out euro shrapnel to the value of a 20 euro note and deposits it in a Litterville change jar. Chip and new partner says, there you go. Like they've just finished a six-piece jigsaw you were struggling with. You take the change and head to the machine. Spotty metal person downs a shot of something brown, strikes into a pack of balls. Nothing goes in. He goes to have another shot, but is challenged by hostile boots. The two of them perform an altercation with their cues, which blocks your path to the machine. You're not sure if your path is blocked by design, or if they have failed to notice that your path is blocked. So you just wait. Perform a silent laugh. Count the euro shrapnel in your hand. Finally, they stand down, and you are free to go about your cigarette buying business. You buy Marlboro Reds, because they might be watching. New partner hates Marlboro Reds, they're too strong but you can deal with that problem later. On your return journey, Spotty is queuing up a shot, whilst Hostile Boots has one of his hostile boots up on the table and is having sexual intercourse with the air in front of him to the tune of, well, what might be Ramstein, actually. Spotty cues his shot and overhits it, shouts over the crashing sound of the balls, fucking fucksy bed, as Hostile Boots slows down his sexual assault on the air to the sedate crash of Zildjian. You have slipped beyond Spotty, but are now trapped between the pair. New partner looks over at you, sort of confused like. You raise over the, you raise your voice over the music. Sorry, but I can I just squeeze past? Showing hostile boots your Marlboros like you're a detective trying to gain access to a nightclub. Sorry, but what? Spotty asks. Can I just squeeze past? The cue is pointed at you. Okie dokie, huge grand. You can squeeze past. But don't let your tote bag slap you on the arse on the way out, no. You laugh and nod. You're not wearing a tote bag. Your new port partner bought theirs. Yours is at the Airbnb. You are nearly free to smoke with new partner, though. To get the fuck out of here. New partner raises both eyes with a s eyebrows with a smile. But a change in music inspires a goatee roar from the pair. You are not free. You believe that this might well be their jam. And now Hostile Boots has locked a leg in front of your midriff onto the table. Hostile Boots is having implied sex with you. Spotty has joined in too. He's trying to impregnate you from the other side. They are both howling like banshees. And New Partner looks at you in dismay. New Partner cannot help you now. No one can. Buzzcut smirks from behind the bar. You do not know why, but you put your hand in the air and do the horns hand gesture. It does not help. They continue to bang you from all sides. All is lost, all is lost, all is lost. And then darkness 
or an absence of light, a shadow, a shadow that falls upon Buzzcut's smirk, returns it to its dilapidated jowls. New partner swivels in the stall, looks up, sees what you see. Angry giant with grey wiry beard, small town German metal bar owner, who has emerged from the daytime. Spotty and hostile boots are frozen now. The darkness has descended upon them too. Hot oof, he roars. Spotty and hostile boots cower, return to their game. Hot oof, hot oof, hot oof. They are sobered as soldiers caught napping by their drill sergeant. Angry giant small town metal bar owner strides towards the pool table. You try to make your way back to the bar, but giant small town metal bar owner puts a giant paw on your shoulder, stopping you in your tracks. No, wait, is the command, before continuing to the pool table from which the giant's focus has not switched. A slap of meaty giant hand covers the cue ball the hostile boot is about to strike. You're certain you see pot spotty gulp. Petrifying giant small town German metal bar owner picks up the cue ball, looks at it, as if reading from it, says softly, Ich frage mich, was dieses Überdönerschall an DSM Schaden Mittwoch morgen denken werde. And then sharply draws the cue ball back. Spotty and hostile boots recoil. Hostile boots yelps even. Death stare, giant small town German metal bar owner becomes laughing, giant small town German metal bar owner. Looks at you. Come and have a little drink and smoke with me. You draw a cigarette from the foil pack of Marlboros, and suddenly Reds makes a load more sense now. New partner files behind behind you, whilst your new friend demands a bottle of corn from Buzzcut, shows you the label. Is grain brandy. Very fucking authentic. Is no lag band. Outside, just outside, you all three stand facing towards the square, with its fountain, its small flower garden, its iron bench. New partner asks if you are okay. Fine, you say, shakily handing her a Marlboro. New partner does not comment on its strength. Contemplatively looking out upon the small town square, small town German metal bar owner pours the corn into three small glasses held in the flesh, flesh plate of a giant's palm. You all take a glass from him, and he turns that giant head out of the small town, knocks back the corn, removes a giant lighter which depicts two she-demons scissoring each other as they play cards, thumbs down a button and a four-inch beam of fire shoots from their vaginal mesh. He lights a cigarette, turns the flame to yours. You see all this? This is mine. I own this town. Mine. Fucking the little babykins in there. Fucking all the little kinder bastards in town. Fucking the bar. Fucking the bar. Fuck small towns. Fuck the forest behind. Fuck your fucking tote bag. No offence. Fucking this rotten town, yeah? New partner is chipper once more, somehow, and asks, What's this playing right now? Poignant small town German metal bar owner takes a look inside, and then at new partner. This? This is Halloween. So you ask, Fuck Halloween? A head shake. A tut even. Nine. Halloween fucking us. You say, Okay. German small town, giant small town, German metal bar owner says, you fly easy jet, yeah? You look at each other. Yeah, you both concede. Yeah, says giant small town German metal bar owner. Fucking the easy jet too.
So that was a little story in the style of open pen fiction. If you liked it and if you think you can you can write that sort of stuff in the style of that, or even better, if you can do better than that, then please do submit to open pen. You can find us on submittable. We're actually currently closed for submissions, but just keep looking out for us. We're going to open up real soon and then be open forever and ever and ever. Um, we should probably play a track that's, uh, that has some heavy metal music in it. Um, so this is uh, glowing, The Glowing of Satan uh, by Temple of the Fuzz Witch. <laughs> Okay, this is the open pen takeover of Rough Trade Books. Um, big, big, big shout out to Soho Radio. Um, an, an equally large shout out to um, Nina at Rough Trade Books. Big fan of the Rough Trade Books stuff. We've got lots of shared authors. Um, Max Sidney Smith has got an incredible pamphlet out with Rough Trade Books. Uh, we published uh, Max uh, back in issue 13, um, but do pick up that that pamphlet from Rough Trade Books by Max Sidney Smith. Uh, it's, it's, it's brilliant. It's funny. It's all the stuff that I, I love to read personally in fiction and, and the kind of the writing that blends fiction with stuff that might be real. You just have to read it and find out. Um, a shout out to Joe Johnston. He is uh, the editor of Open Pen. I know that I've been coming across as if I am the editor of Open Pen, but I am merely its king. Um, Joe took over the magazine last year, but the last couple of issues is what she's kind of been standalone editor for, and he's doing a great job. I think it's really important um, with, with, with in being a press or, or being a sort of a platform for artists that you continue to put um, younger people um, up, up front so that they can kind of curate a magazine like Open Pen or whatever um, it is that, we choose to do in the future as well. Um, and Joe's doing a ter terrific job. And if, if you are like-minded in, in, what, in what Joe's trying to do, then, um, then do submit. We're, we're looking for the most outrageous, the wildest fiction that you could po possibly muster. Um, I'm currently drinking a partisan New England Saison. It's beautiful. Uh, do support your microbreweries out there. Lots of shout outs to all the microbrewers that are in trouble right now because of COVID-19. Have a look online, see what you can order. Have yourself a lovely beer in the sun, uh, even if that means doing it from within the window. So got some more music coming up now. Um, it's been a pleasure doing this. Um, as, as, as I say, thanks to Soho Radio and thanks to Rough Trade Books. Um, this... Uh, Next tune is actually um, by a someone who submitted to us recently. We might be doing a little book with them. I, I also know them from Big Dad. From Big Dad, they put out a, a record uh, eight or nine years ago now. Um, an artist called Bang On. Uh, this is this is Young and Cool by Bang On. <laughs> Thank you. 
So as I say, that was Young and Cool by Bang On. Um, pretty funny track. Uh, so he's from Liverpool. And, um, you know, I think he's, like, he, he produced a rap album. Um, I think it was back in 2012 from Big Dada. Um, and again, he's the kind of artist that I just love to see come through that, like, it's not that he comes from nothing. There's a sort of, like, really odd idea about writers who come from working-class backgrounds or the backgrounds we don't normally expect artists to come from. Um, but the, the reality of it is that, like, this kind of... Uh, this sort of innate feeling of, of being an artist and, and wanting to put out stuff that's kind of interesting or relevant to you and hopefully to other people, it's, like, it's the kind of thing that you should, should be able to find every, everywhere. And uh, there's probably not enough places and platforms that that these, these writers and artists have. So it's so important to kind of really celebrate those those artists and writers. And also, if you do feel like that that's the kind of person that you are, and you're from that sort of background, that doesn't really stand a chance of getting a look in the arts world, and especially in books, you know, fight for it. Like, no one is going to give it to you. There are platforms, hopefully Open Pen is one of them, but you've got to fight for it and make, and make your own space and do your own thing. Uh, the second track was Tell Me. Um, that was a Factory Records track. So they weren't all doom and gloom up there at Factory Records. I mean, obviously, most stuff from up there is all doom and gloom, but there, there's some exceptions. Um, the last track I'm going to play is kind of the exception, but it is also doom and gloom stuff as well. You'll hear about that in a minute. Um, open Pen going forward, we're going to publish more novelettes. Um, We've, we've committed to a second series of novelettes. Uh, we wanted to get those started about now, actually, but we've had to kind of move some of these books back. Um, but we will be having uh, a book out in July. Um, and that's regardless of lockdown. It's going to happen. We're going to put a book out in July. So look out for that. We're going to be announcing that this week. So please check out openpen.co.uk and our shop and our Twitter feed and our Facebook. Um, and lastly, I want to dedicate this track. Uh, to my friends and my foes in the mainstream publishing world. Uh, this is The Fall and Repetition. Right, nice! <laughs> 